So Paul has told us that the whole creation is groaning, waiting for its adoption as sons. You remember that verse? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 22, and we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. In other words, to review and recap here, what I said uh, the other day was that uh, the whole creation, all humanity, has pain in its heart and is groaning. But it doesn't know where that pain comes from. It doesn't know where the depression and the anxiety and the sorrow and the grief come from. And uh, if we could teach them and teach ourselves that that pain is a vestige of the fall of Adam and Eve and their loss of the presence of God, that pain is a result of the death that has come into the pla- come onto the planet, and God is going to redeem the whole human world from that. If only we could tell that to the world, if only the world would listen. You remember that wonderful verse in Isaiah chapter 25? And he will destroy... And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all peoples and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. What a promise that is. That's Isaiah chapter 25, verse uh, 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8. So you can understand then that there is a pain in the world and the world does not know what that pain is. Yes, there's pain from circumstances in uh, our present life, of course, but there is a far deeper pain uh, beyond that and that is the pain of the broken world as a result of an Adam and Eve's fall and our entering into the, the kingdom of sin and death. Now... Paul then surprises us by this next verse. Not only that. Do you mean there's more? Yes, there's more. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Now, this is very important, this verse. It says, first of all, it's speaking about those who have the first fruits of the Spirit. These are Christians born again, having received the first fruits of the Spirit, and yet they groan within themselves. Now, there are some uh, super-spiritual Christians, so-called, who think that it's not right to have any whining or contra- uh, complaining or groaning. We should always be joyful and, and we should always be praising the Lord. And yes, it would be wonderful if we could. And it would be wonderful if we did. But that's not reality, is it? Because we are still dragging about this fallen, broken nature of ours that belongs to the kingdom of Adam. Yet it is not charged against us, as I've many times said, for we are counted as dead to it, and we are counted as if we were fully alive to the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of life and resurrection and justification. Nevertheless, there is so, therefore, because we're still in this body, though it's not counted against us, we do groan. So let's be realistic, shall we? And let's allow ourselves to groan. Now, there's a difference between groaning to people, we call that whining, and a difficult, st- a, a, and that, 
I'm sorry, there's a difference between groaning before people, we call that whining, and groaning to the Lord. Groaning to the Lord is a faith act. It is a willingness to tell God how bad we feel or how difficult we are having to things and uh, and how we need his help. You will see in Jeremiah, if you read the book of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah was quite a groaner in, uh, towards God. He told him exactly as he thought. You have deceived me, Lord, he said once. I can't believe anyone dare say that to God. But that's what Jeremiah did. So we can groan, but we groan to God. And that's the difference between people who are victims and people who are not. The victims are the ones who whine and groan to people and are endlessly complaining and whining that they don't deserve this or that in life. But those Christians who do not whine and do not make themselves a victim keep their mouths shut in relation to groaning to people, and they go quietly into their bedroom, shut the door, and they whine or groan to God. There's a very big difference. Because when we groan to God, we know that God can take it. He's big enough. And also when we groan to God, He can comfort us and does so by His Holy Spirit, you see, through His Word. That's a marvelous, comforting experience. And remember all that we've said so far. I consider, Paul says in verse 18, that suffering, that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. So while we're praying and groaning to God, the Holy Spirit will often remind us of the kingdom to come, the glory, the peace, the beauty the perfect serenity that we have and the joy, the massive joy we will have in the kingdom so that all the sorrows will be forgotten. That's what we need to remember. As we put the kingdom in front of our eyes, the groanings, the pains of this world become more proportionate and we are able to bear them knowing that Jesus is with us because he bore the same. So not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Now remember what we're really groaning about, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Why are we eagerly waiting for adoption if we've already received it, according to verse 15? You remember? For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Well, you see, it's a paradox, really, because we have already been adopted, but our bodies are not yet adopted, are they? Our, our bodies, our fallen human nature, our flesh, is still in this broken world. And so this is what Paul is saying. We groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our bodies. We've got the adoption by faith. That's verse 15. We know that. We give praise to God. We thank him that we are his adopted children and heirs with Christ of the kingdom of God. But our bodies still don't know it. They're groaning and they're sick and they don't get uh, enough energy on in a day and uh, uh, they feel wrongly and the emotions are all screwed up and distorted. They groan. But we tell our body, just hold on, because you are going to be redeemed as well as my, my spirit and mind. 
and you are going to give glory to God because your body, my body, will be redeemed. For we were saved, Paul says, in hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for what, for who, I'm sorry, for why does one hope still for what he sees? Now, I find this really very interesting. For we were saved in this hope. You know, exactly what does that mean? Saved in hope? It's a funny thing. Saved in hope? Why doesn't it say saved along with hope or saved and then we have hope or something? But it says saved in hope. And I remember when I was a young lad, and uh, between 10 and 15 particularly, I had very uncomfortable emotional feelings because I felt alone and isolated and disconnected. I had an interest in astronomy, and I would look out to the stars with my dad's uh, uh, naval binoculars. I would see the the uh, uh, the moons, uh, the moon rather, and uh, Jupiter's uh, um, uh, rings, and I could see those, and then see the stars, and think to myself, why are they so far apart? How could people possibly communicate with other if with each other if there were people on those other planets or and it just mystified me and the stars and nature simply uh, heightened my own sense of isolation and separation but then one day I uh, quite by chance uh, went to a Christian meeting and uh, this man stood up and he taught the second coming of Christ. There were very few people there, about 10, uh, 40 people altogether, and um, not young people either, middle-aged, old, older people. I felt quite out of place as a 15-year-old boy, but nevertheless I was absolutely fascinated by what the preacher said as he opened the Bible and taught from it. And what he taught was, as I said, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it suddenly made me realize, I'd never heard this before, that I had hope for the future. I was being saved at that moment, and I was being saved, bathed in hope. Hope for a future that was wonderful and glorious, eternal, with a body that would not die, and also the sense of a home in the universe, that this, that space was not, as I feared it was, all black and dark and, and uh, so isolated and lonely, one star so far separated from another, one planet so far separated from another. Here I was now, saved in hope. And that's what I want, would like to encourage you to feel. You and I are saved. We have received salvation that is, we've been saved from our sins, we've been saved from the judgment and wrath of God, we have been saved from death, we shall relive, live eternally. But there's more than that. We've been saved in hope. The hope that Paul is using, the word as he's using it here, means certain expectation. It's not a wistful wishing as the English word hope seems to suggest most of the time, it's a certain expectation. That's what we have. We are saved, 
And we have, with that salvation, a certain expectation of all the promises being fulfilled through Jesus Christ in us. This is what gives proportion to our suffering. Do you see, we're in Romans chapter 8, remember, this chapter that speaks about um, the life in the Spirit and life in the resurrection of Jesus. And so it's all about being saved with a certain expectation. God is our Savior. We do not hope for what we see. If we saw it, it wouldn't be hope anymore. We don't see it. But we have been given the gift of hope. And that gift of hope is an outcropping of faith. When a person has faith in Jesus Christ... He is just surrounded with hope. Certain expectation of wonderful things to come. Keep that hope bright within you, especially when things get dark in your soul, because that will give proportion to your suffering. Lord God, this suffering hurts, but I thank you very much for the hope that I have that is absolutely certain that I will be comforted forever in your kingdom soon to come. Thank you for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You can listen to this program any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in how it happens with Colin Cook. You can also hear this program on the radio, KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning. And would you consider a donation to help the program uh, continue? It's in its 26th year now. Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado 80160. You can also make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.